we have <clears throat> just come through the holiday season, and um, when I when I reflect on kind of the the order of our holidays, I I, I I'm intrigued because we have the season of Thanksgiving followed by the season of giving, and um, in a lot of ways you would think that would almost be reversed. You know, you have the season of giving followed by the season of Thanksgiving. But I think there is an appropriateness to that, to the order that we do have, because what I've come to, to realize over the years is that true thankfulness, true appreciation for the blessings that we have, for the things that God has given us and that others have given us, results in generosity. It, re it results in a heart that wants to give, a heart that wants to, um, to share the bounty of what we've received and what we enjoy and what we encounter with uh, those that we love, those that God brings into our lives. And so I think it is appropriate um, to have the order of things the way we do. And as we think about the gifts that we've received, not just in terms of Christmas, but in terms of, of life and all the things that come our way. One of the, the realities I think that we would all acknowledge is, is true is that a gift, all gifts are special, but a gift is more special when we're aware of their meaning or the import to the person who gave them to us. You know, if, if someone gives you something, you're appreciative of that. Uh, you're thankful for that. You, you're, you're glad that they thought of you and so forth, took the time to, to give you a gift. But if they, if they give you something that maybe they worked on themselves or crafted themselves or, or even something that, you know, they just thought they took some time to think about you when they were giving that gift, you know, things that you love, things that you think are significant. Just, just to have that realization that, that you were on their mind as that gift was being purchased or made or acquired in some way, it adds a depth to that gift. And that, in turn, increases thankfulness. As we start the, the new year, I thought it appropriate that we start with the Lord's Supper. And that we do so through the lens of what it is that has been given to us by our Savior. What it is that, that Christ has provided. And for that, I want us to turn, if you will, to Ephesians chapter 3. It's not a passage you often think of in, in relationship to the Lord's Supper, but I think it is extremely appropriate. When you think of the Lord's Supper in the context of thankfulness for what we have been given and that then empowering us to, to give to others, to, to have a generosity ourselves in terms of, of what God has done. And it's the, the passage is actually in, in the form of a prayer that 
uh, Paul is offering up for the church at Ephesus. So beginning in reading in verse 14 of chapter 3, we read, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. I pray that he may grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power in your inner being through his Spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you, being rooted and firmly established in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and the width and the height and the depth of God's love, and to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we take just a moment to, to look at this passage this morning and reflect on the gift of your Son. God, I pray that you would help us to, to understand, to comprehend beyond our own capacities, beyond our own abilities, Lord, that as your Spirit speaks to us, Lord, that we would be informed about what you've done for us and what you call us to and the great gift that you gave us in giving us your Son. That as we get ready to partake of the Lord's Supper in remembrance of his sacrifice, of his gift to us, Lord, that we would understand that this remembrance is not just for the sake of recollection or sentimentality or other things that we sometimes minimize it to, but that it is indeed an invitation to empowerment an invitation to gratitude, an invitation to connection with you. And we thank you for that, Lord. It's in Christ's name we pray these things. Amen. The heart of Paul's prayer is in verses 16 through 19. And the essence of that, that heart, that, that central idea is that Paul hopes, he desires, he prays that the church at Ephesus would know Christ and his love. And as we gather here today, that's my prayer for us as well, that we would know Christ, we would understand who he is, we would understand the role he plays, we would understand 
his centrality to, to all that we are, and his love. His love for us and his love through us to others. Because I'm convinced if we know this, we know everything we need to know. Everything we need to know to, to be the people God's called us to be. Everything we need to know to, to deal with the world that is sometimes so confusing. Everything we need to know to, to be whole, to be complete. And that knowledge is wrapped up, according to Paul here in these verses, in Christ's presence with us, his connection with us, when we have surrendered our lives to him and entered into a relationship with him. Paul notes that, that Christ's presence, firstly, is, is strength for living. He says that to be strengthened with power in your inmost being. He's talking about the, the power that the, the Spirit provides and, and that the power from the Spirit is not does not result in the indwelling of Christ, but that the power of the Spirit is the indwelling of Christ Himself. They're the same thing. To have Christ in us is to have the Spirit in us. To have Christ in us is to have the power of the Spirit working through us. To have Christ in our lives is to be able to have strength to deal with the hardships and the victories of life. Christ's presence is indeed a source of strength. The holidays are good and wonderful, but they can also be incredibly hard for a variety of reasons. Things can weigh us down during this time of year unlike any other time of the year. And I know when I face those difficulties, when I face those, those hurts, that there is a strength I can lean upon, and that strength is not my inner will, it's not my inner desire, it's not my my own power and authority, it is the one who dwells within me. It's the Christ who loves me. He gave his life so that I might experience who he is. Because he knew, he knows, he understands that in that is where true rescue begins. Secondly, Paul informs us that Christ's presence is love that transforms us. He, he tells us that at the end of verse 17 that we are rooted and firmly established in love. The love of Christ is both the goal, that is what we come to know, and the source of the Christian life. It's what we work toward in terms of understanding and conceiving and appreciating and walking in and recognizing, but it's also that which drives us. 
And that's, again, where uh, a great deal of the, the freedom that we experience as Christians come from is that it's not on our shoulders. The very goal we seek is given to us, granted to us, to seek that goal. It's, it's an empowering to find power. It's a loving to find love. And, and in that, we, we understand, again, that the great gift that we've experienced in Christ. Lillianne read for us earlier, we read together Romans 5.8. What a powerful, powerful expression of God's love. And that while we were still enemies, Christ died for us. As we reflect upon the Lord's Supper today, as we, we consider that, that Jesus sat around that table that night, participating in the Passover meal, ushering in the new covenants, sitting next to one who would betray him. What an important reflection that is uh, for the Lord's Supper that here we are, people who have all, by our decision and by our sin, betrayed the Lord. And yet He invites us to His table. He invites us to sit beside Him. To experience His presence, to experience His power, to experience His love. Third thing that Paul reflects on about Christ's presence is that it is, is it, it is an outreach without limits. When you look at verse 18 and the descriptions there and the breadth and the length and the height and the depth of God's love. That repetition of extremes, that, that repetition of the uttermost expressions of any direction you want to think of or any reality you want to think of. We don't exactly know all that Paul had in mind by using those words. Some have suggested that the breadth refers to all ages and nations and ranks of humanity. That length refers to from eternity past to eternity future. The height is the highest bliss imaginable and depth is the lowest condition of man. And while we can't, as I say, nail, it, nail those terms down to, to those ideas necessarily, I think they do capture something of the truth of what Paul's getting at here. That 
God in His love for us, in sending His Son for us, said there wouldn't be a limit on how far He was willing to go. I think in almost every relationship we have, there, there's a time, there's a place, there's a, there's a line we're not willing to cross. I'll go this far for you. I'll, I'll do this for you. I'll do this much. But you asked me to go that to wherever that point is, and, and I, I'll back out. I'm not really willing to go there. And it's in different places for different relationships. But again, reflecting upon the fact that we were enemies of God and God came to us and He said, you know what? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to send my son to die in your place. Have you ever really just stopped and contemplated just that, just that fact? That's pretty broad, that's pretty long, that's pretty high, that's pretty low in terms of what God's willing to do. You hate me, therefore I'm going to send my son to die for you. It's mind-blowing. That is an outreach without limits. Our resistance is met squarely by God's resolve. I created you for a relationship with me. I created you to give you life and abundance and to bring you joy. Why did God create? Because... It was an outgrowth of who he was. It's, a, it's an outgrowth of who he is. It's, it's an it's a comp- expression of his love for us. And then we rejected that. We, we said we can do better. We, we, we can do our own thing. We can go our own way and do better. And he said, I'm going to let you make that decision. But I'm resolved to pursue you nonetheless. I'm going to chase you. I'm going to send my son, if that's what it takes, to bring you back. For my glory and for your well-being. And all that comes together in verse 19 to tell us that Christ's presence is a gift that is incomprehensible. I don't think we can wrap our minds around it. If you think you understand salvation and the gift of Christ to us from God, if you think you can really comprehend that, I'm going to say you're not taking everything into account that needs to be taken into account. Because it is beyond Our understanding. To know Christ's love that what surpasses knowledge, 
and then those those last couple of verses now to him who is able and so forth. It's not so much about what God can or will do, but what God is already doing that is more than we can expect or can imagine. When we say those words, do this in remembrance of me. What's he inviting us to? He's inviting us to participation with him. In a moment, in an act, in an event that's beyond us. That's bigger than us. That we can't explain, that we can't duplicate, that we could never accomplish, that we could never even come close to mimicking. He's inviting us to realize and to recognize what he's put into his gift for us. I started by talking about how gifts are are extra special when somebody puts something of themselves into it and when they think about us as they're doing it. And as we think about the gift of God's Son, Is there anything more special he could have given us? Is there any more anything more thoughtful he could have done for us? Is there anything more invested in us and our well-being that he could have invested in? There's not. The glory and the riches and the power of the crucifixion and resurrection should create within us a sense of thanksgiving that's so overwhelming that we can't help but be generous to the world that we live within. If Christ died for us while we were his enemies, how much power, how much ability, how much emphasis and capacity does that grant us to live for others and to invest in others who are by no means as opposed to us as we were to him. It's fitting that we take part in the Lord's Supper here at the beginning of the year because the beginning of the year is is that time when we think about Beginnings. We think about resolutions, commitments we're going to make, changes we're going to make over the previous year. Old things are passed away. This is our opportunity to to start fresh. So as we take the Lord's Supper this morning, it's, it's my hope. That's a place where you want to start fresh 
is in your relationship with God. Firstly, if there's anyone here who does not have that relationship, who's never committed themselves to a relationship with God, that you would make that commitment. You would make that stand. You would make that sacrifice to where you're giving yourself to Him and letting Him direct you and guide you to save you and rescue you, to deliver you and exalt you to move you from death to life, from enemy to brother or sister. But those of us who've made that commitment, my my prayer today is that we would have a renewed understanding of the gift that is Jesus. And that that renewed understanding and that renewed insight would result in a renewed commitment that this year I'm going to engage my culture. This year I'm going to love those who persecute me. This year I'm going to be the salt and the light that Jesus has called me to be. This year, I'm going to know Jesus and make him known. Not because I've resolved to do it, not because I'm strong enough to do this, but because he dwells in me. And because He dwells in me, I have everything I need to be everything He's called me to be. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come, Lord, right now to prepare our hearts and minds for taking the Lord's Supper. God, I pray that You would indeed Help us to to know you better. Lord, I pray that right now, that if there's anyone here who does not have a relationship with you, right now, in this moment, they would reach out to you. Commit themselves to you. Surrender their lives to you. God, I pray for myself and my brothers and sisters here this morning. Help us to be resolved to be the people that you've called us to be. And to not pursue that in our own strength or our own minds or perspectives, but understanding that we do that because of your indwelling and the power that that brings. Lord, we confess our sins before you. We bring our lives before you, grateful for the gift of your Son. And as we acknowledge that now through the taking of the Lord's Supper, we pray that you would 
just encourage and direct us all the more. And it's in Christ's name we pray these things. Amen.